Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Next week is our last meeting until September 12th. So please join us. And I just want to tell you something. I know, I don't think, I know that there is going to be an open heaven over our praise and worship. And the Lord spoke, and not just spoke, but I I really literally had an experience this morning that was completely unexpected. And he made it very plain to me. So you are the faithful people. I'm just telling you because you're here, rain, snow, sleet, hell. And so I know I'm, I'm preaching the choir right now, but I'm just telling you that there is going to be an encounter with the living God during praise and worship. So endeavor not to miss that. All right. So before we have our testimony today, I want to share with you something that the Lord, he just made known to me the other day. And, and some of you might say, that is so obvious, Sandy, you are really behind. And maybe I am, but I caught up. If I'm behind, I caught up. And it was a very simple thing. And I was actually taking a walk and I was praying. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak Hebrews 4.16 to me. Most of you probably know what that says. And, but I'm going to read it to you. I'll start with verse 14. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. So it's really all about Jesus and holding fast who he is as revealed in the word of God, particularly in the gospels. Because he said, I came to do the will of the Father. I only do what I see him do, and I only say what I hear him saying. And so if you want to know the will of God, look at Jesus. I mean, we know this. It's very obvious. And you never have to question what the will of God is. If Jesus did it, it's the will of God, period. I'll never discuss it with you. Let me give you an example. So often, people do not get healed I'm not saying 100% of the time, but I'm saying often. Now, listen and hear me, because they believe they have to pre-qualify for healing. There is not one example in the almost 30 healing miracles of Jesus where anybody had to pre-qualify with anything other than believing in the goodness of God and the Son of God. So now... Because I'm prepared, somebody, some religious person might throw at me, oh, no, 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 what about the man at the pool of Bethesda? He didn't have to pre-qualify. Jesus just said, do you want to get well? He just wanted to know if he wanted to get well. Why waste power? I mean, believe it or not, some people want to stay sick. I've told you the story. I won't name names. And this this decades ago, back when we were on San Pedro, of a very dear woman, we all loved her dearly, and she had had been repeatedly raped by her father, which is what 
not too many things. There are things, but not too many things could be more heinous than that. And she developed at 30 years old rectal cancer. And when she came to us, and in those days, maybe, you know, there were not too many of us. And she, I would have people introduce themselves. And so she stood up and introduced herself and uh, told us immediately what her diagnosis was and then confessed the word of God. I think it was by his stripes I'm healed. And so we all gathered around her and, you know, we agreed with her in prayer. And she was a tremendous blessing to us. She was very talented. She's the one that had a real gift of crocheting like Vita. And because Vita never does this for us. So I was just throwing it out there. (laughs) And she would bring out, um, she would bring to our, our meetings these gorgeous crochet blankets. And at one time, she brought one that was red, one white, and one blue and told me to give them out. And, and I'm not going to tell that story, but she told me to give them out as I willed. And I'll just tell you one. And one of them went to Vita's daughter, Ingrid. And, and it was kind of like, why am I doing this? Because I did ask the Lord. I mean, at the time, her husband played for the Spurs, right? And so, obviously, they had money. I mean, last I checked, NBA players get paid more than I do. And, but I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, give, give Ingrid a blanket. And so she put it in her car and just waited on the Lord. And it was very, very cold day a little bit later, very cold day. She had her children in the car. I think at the time she had maybe three children. She ended up having five, but at the time I think she had three. And she was at a stoplight. She looked over and there was a woman that was shivering in the cold, just shivering, had on a light sweater, obviously did not have very good financial means, and she was just shaking. And Ingrid got out of the car, which was brave at a stoplight, and went and wrapped that red blanket around this woman and told that woman that Jesus loved her and was covering her with his blood. So back to this other girl. She was a tremendous baker and she would fill our table every single Tuesday morning with the most beautiful baked goods. Remember that Pam? And she was just a blessing. So two years goes by and she ended up getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And prior to her departure to heaven, I remember seeking the Lord. Lord, we have instituted your word. We have agreed with the confession of the word of God. We have agreed with who you are. And what is happening? Because it was very apparent to me without a last minute miracle or a Lazarus resurrection that she was not going to stay on earth. And the Lord, I heard him very kindly speak to me. She's made friends with the disease. And well, that was hard to believe. And the Lord went on to say, she believes that it's the disease that gave her entrance into such love, meaning all of us, that she had never known such love. And she has a latent fear that if she were to get healed, you would all reject her. You wouldn't be her friends anymore. That was very difficult for me to believe. And yet... After her departure to heaven, sometime later, I had the opportunity to speak to her, Jonathan, if you know the story of David and Jonathan, it was her best friend, 
who was an absolutely stunningly gorgeous woman and in appearance was everything the first lady was not. I mean, she was one of these, you could be on the cover of a magazine without Photoshopping. Beautiful. And I had the opportunity to talk to her, and she told me that <clears throat> our sister in Christ had shared things with her. And I said, could I just ask you a question? I said, did she make friends with the disease? And her best friend said, yes, she was afraid that if she got healed, she didn't want to die. She just wanted to keep enough of it. Well, it doesn't work that way. So what I'm saying to you is there are things we may not understand. And why did this happen? And God, why didn't you? But we don't always know what's going on in that realm that we don't see. So back to the Jesus of the Bible. He never pre-qualified anyone. Now, with the man at the pool at Bethesda, after he healed him, he said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing before you. That was post-qualifying him. So a lot of people don't get healed because they think they need to be pre-qualified. I see it all the time. I have to do everything right. I have to dot every I. I have to cross every T. And I, and I can give you strong testimonies, but I'm not going to do that today. So back to Hebrews 4, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. We're going to be talking a lot about these things in the fall. And next week, Lord willing, unless he changes what, uh, what I believe I'm supposed to do, um, I'm going to answer a very, one of the biggest questions Christian ask, Christians ask, but that'll be next week. Verse 13, 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. All right, so we have a high priest who understands everything we could possibly go through and think and feel, everything, yet he didn't sin. He understands our fears, but he never entered into fear. He understands our concerns. He never entered into them. He understands our worries, but he never entered into them. He understands our physical afflictions, but he never entered into them. Now, I'm going to show you something in a minute that I hope will change your life. Verse 16, this is what I heard when I was walking. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. In other words, not timid, not as a beggar, but with confidence, head held high, chest stuck out. Let us come like that to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And then, of course, it goes on to say, and grace to help in time of need. When I heard, I was stepping off a curb, and no, I didn't fall. I was stepping off a curb. I just picked up my dog. It was so profound that I can remember exactly. I just picked up Winnie, and I hope all of you know that in this heat, don't let your dogs walk on the asphalt. Burn their paws. I have, the area I live in has the, uh, I guess it's called cool cement, but it doesn't, it doesn't get hot. But the asphalt does, so I just picked her up. And the minute my foot hit the, the pavement or the asphalt, and the Lord had just spoken to me, come boldly to receive mercy. This is what I heard. Many of the healing miracles came about, because a lot of you need healing today, because the people asked for mercy in faith. And all these scriptures started flooding, and I'm going to read them to you. 
These are all different accounts. Not one of them is the same account, even though it might sound that way. Matthew 9, 27, and Jesus passed from there, and two blind men followed him, shouting loudly, have mercy on us, son of David. They didn't even say, heal our eyes. They came boldly to the one who is grace. He is the throne of grace, people. How do I know that? Well, John chapter 1, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So he is grace. And when he reached the house, he went and the blind men came to him. And Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open. What did they do? They didn't even say heal our eyes. They just said, have mercy, boldly have mercy. Mercy is healing. Matthew 15, 21. And going away from there, Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman who was a Canaanite from that district came out with a loud, troublesome cry and begged, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is miserably and distressingly and cruelly possessed by a demon. It's interesting that the mother said, Have mercy on me because my daughter is suffering. I don't know about you. But it hurts me far more if my children are suffering than if it was me. I mean, I've heard many a mother say, I'd rather it be me than them. But Jesus didn't answer her word. Now, what did she cry? Have mercy. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away. She's a pain. Well, they really said she's crying after us, but that's what they meant. And he answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt and worshiped him and kept praying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread, which is healing, and throw it to the dogs. So he was calling her a dog. We have a very ugly word in our vernacular for that. But that's what Jesus was calling her. You're a dog. I can't take what belongs to my children and give it to dogs. And she got offended. Nope. Nope. She had already come boldly to the throne of grace, Jesus Christ. And she said, yes, Lord, I I am a dog. Yet even the puppies eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I've told you before, my dog will sit there an hour and not blink. I cannot, I don't remember the last time I enjoyed a meal in my home. I'm telling you the truth. And I'll take a crumb and throw it down to her. And she'll wait for those crumbs. Such a good, if you have a dog, it's such a good illustration. She won't take her eyes off of me until she gets the crumbs. I wonder if we do that with the throne of grace. And then Jesus said, a woman... Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was cured from that moment. What did she ask for? Mercy. What did the two blind men ask for? Mercy. Matthew 17, 14 through 18. And when they approached a multitude, a man came up kneeling before him saying, Lord, have pity on my son. Have mercy, actually. Pity and mercy. He asked for both. Mercy on my son, for he has epilepsy 
He suffers terribly. He falls in the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples. They're not able to cure him. And Jesus answered, Oh, you unbelieving and thoroughly perverse generation. How long am I to remain with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was cured instantly. What did the father ask for his child? Mercy. You know, sometimes we're praying all these elaborate children uh, prayers for our children. But this mother and this father came to grace, Jesus, and asked for one thing, mercy. Matthew 20, 29. Now, this is a whole different account. These aren't the same two blind men. I guess blind people traveled in twos in those days. And they were going to Jericho, a great throng accompanying him. And behold, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. And the crowds reproved them and told them to keep still. But they cried out more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, I I really find this so entertaining. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I mean, I would think that would be obvious. But their faith had to speak. Their faith in the one who is grace and mercy had to speak. And they answered him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And Jesus, in mercy, touched their eyes, and instantly they received sight and followed him. Mark 10, 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now. And many severely censured and reproved him, telling him to keep still, but he kept shouting all the more, son of David, have mercy on me now. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, telling him, take courage, get up, he's calling you. I love the disciples. They were so awesome. And throwing off his outer garment, he leaped up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, master, let me receive my sight. See, twice Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has healed you. And at once he received his sight and accompanied Jesus on the road. What did he ask for? Mercy. The healing was in the mercy of Jesus. And this is the last one. Luke 17. And as he was going into one village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they, all 10 of them, raised their voices and called, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when they saw him, he said to them, go at once, show yourselves to the priest. Now, they weren't healed yet. They were still lepers. They were not allowed in public. They had to keep a certain distance. Remember, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, because it was so contagious. But Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cured. Then one of them, upon seeing that he was cured, turned back, recognizing and thanking and praising God with a loud voice. He fell prostrate at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over And he was a Samaritan. Why? He was the only one of the 10 that wasn't a Jew. He didn't have a priest. So he went to the high priest, Jesus Christ, the great high priest that I read about to you in Hebrews 4.14.
And Jesus said, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was there no one found to return to recognize and give thanks and praise to God except this alien? And he said to him, get up and go your way. Your faith has restored you to health. Okay, so I just read to you one, two, three, four, five different Bible examples of people that when they cried out for mercy, either for them or for their children, were cured, healed, because they came boldly to the throne of grace, Jesus, to receive mercy. So I wanted to share that with you today because I wonder how many of us fail to ask for mercy. And what is mercy? It's God not giving us what we deserve. I don't have to pre-qualify for anything, people. I'm already qualified because he qualified me and he made me a minister of the new covenant, not of the law that kills, but of the spirit who gives life. And that's yours too, if you'll take it. How many times did I read and they received? You got to take it. But if you're so busy pre-qualifying yourself to see if you checked everything on, on the list, every box checked off, I could say a whole lot about this, and I'll save it for another time. But I'm going to introduce a very dear friend of many of us. She was actually on my core team for many, many years, drove a long distance, doesn't live in town. And she's very cherished by, by us. And Kathy, are you able to come up the stairs? Do you want to be helped? And because she has, she has a miracle testimony of mercy. This is Kathy Strong. Welcome her warmly. It wasn't picking me up laying down, was it? <laughs> so um, I, uh, I I wrote out my testimony because you'll you'll see why. But um, I'm bear with me if I have to read it sometimes. Um, so I was going to say something else and see I lost it already. That's why I wrote my, my testimony out. So I, I arrived at my house Saturday. And the, one of the first things I did was go to my wall calendar and move it forward four months. Some people might think that that would be a nice vacation to just lay around and let somebody wait on you. But I wasn't on vacation. And it wasn't fun. <laughs> But I want to tell you a few things that I've learned in life, uh, many of them from Sandy over the last 23 years. I've been sitting under her teaching, and uh, it has definitely changed my life, and I, I believe it gave me life. The things I've learned have given me life. <clears throat> Number one, I'm a child of the king, and he has given me authority to declare and make commands where it concerns me that's within his will. Number two, I learned that trauma is an evil spirit that will impose itself, but it does not belong to the redeemed. 
and I'm redeemed. And number three, peace, hope, and faith are not to be diminished by circumstances. And this is my circumstance. And I'm going to tell you a little of my story. And um, I, it, this story is not about me. This is to glorify our God. So tell you about some miracles that I've had recently. So on the morning of April 10th, I was upstairs in my home taking care of my four-year-old granddaughter while my husband drove our daughter to work. <clears throat> As I was on my way down to the kitchen, I approached the staircase, and suddenly I found myself lying on the floor at the bottom of the first flight of stairs. I didn't trip on anything, and I didn't tumble down. There was, there was nothing disarrayed or anything. There was just no explanation for how that happened. Because I hit, I hit the top and uh, nothing, nothing else, <laughs> just the top. So something else I recently learned is that 74% of Americans believe in God, but only 58% believe in the devil. I guess that's why I got so many funny looks when I would tell people that the devil pushed me. When they wanted to know how, how that happened, I said, well, I don't know. I think the devil just pushed me downstairs. Well, I, I definitely know it was his, his evil intent, however it happened. Amazingly, the impact did not render me unconscious, but I was in an, in an altered state. I lay there feeling happy that I would... I I could do this without breaking down. I was happy because I knew I was going to see my, my friend, Kathy, who had gone to be with the Lord two months before that. And then, you know, it was like God was telling me that wasn't my time yet because he... He brought me out of that semi-conscious state and um, I realized that I was paralyzed. I couldn't move anything, I, but I began crying out to God. I knew that. That's something else I learned, cry out to God. And that's what I did. I just said, God, help me. God, help me. And he did. You'll find out. <laughs> so, so he gave me the strength to, to make declarations over myself. I said, I will live and not die. And I will not be paralyzed. At that, at that point, I was just fully trusting God and felt his peace over me. There was no room for trauma. I was just very so filled with his presence. <clears throat> and as Sandy has <clears throat> taught, there's, there's not room. I believe I heard it from you. There's not room for those things and God in the same space. So my granddaughter heard me, and she asked if I was okay. I said I was not, and asked her to bring my phone 
I didn't know what I was going to do with it when I got it. She tried to hold it in front of my face to get face recognition, and it, it wouldn't open. Um, I needed to call my husband first because I have big dogs and a gate that would prevent anybody from getting in. And so I, I called him. And, well, I, got the, I, asked, I asked Addie to put the phone in my left hand because that's, that's, that's the position I was in. And somehow God gave me the strength to bring my right hand over and punch the buttons to open my phone. So I, I made the call, and uh, then, then my daughter called 911, and they got to the house at the same time, which was just amazing in itself, um, considering the, the distance that they had to come back. We won't talk about that, uh, how fast they got back. Um, so the, the, this is... I'll, you'll see the second the first miracle, but this is the second miracle. The, par, the paramedics felt my spine, and since I felt no pain and they couldn't feel anything, they determined it was safe to stand me up and walk me down the remaining stairs before placing me in a collar, a, a neck brace. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, and uh, number five. Be a praying friend, and you will have praying friends. At the hospital, it was determined that I had broken my neck and sustained a, a severe concussion. So you see, that was miracle number one, that I was alive. With both the C1 and C2 vertebrae, vertebrae being fractured, I would need surgery. And for those of you that don't know, the C1 and C2 are at the very top. That's what holds, keeps your neck and head together there. And they were both, both fractured. I believe God put me in the right place at the, with the right surgeons. They put me together with four screws, two rods, and a bone graft. My only regret is that while they were in there working my, on my neck, I should have asked them for a little nip tuck. So somehow those things aren't as important anymore, though. <laughs> so during my 10-day hospital stay, I remained positive most of the time. <clears throat> I think the doctors and nurses thought I didn't understand the gravity of my injuries because I was lighthearted and joking around so much. There's that peace that passes understanding. After the surgery, I was told by several medical professionals that this type of injury almost always results in death. Those few who survive are usually paralyzed. But see, I had made those declarations. I wasn't going to live paralyzed. I had too much to do. I don't mean busy stuff. I mean, I, you know, I, God gave me this a few years ago. When I would get sick, I would say, I can't, I don't have time to be sick. I have to be about my father's business. So one, one, of the, one doctor that my daughters talked to referred to this as a diver's break, as in they go in, into shallow water. Um, and 
We also learned that it's called a Haman's break. That's what happens with a noose. It breaks the C1 and C2. Number six, teach your children to love the Lord and his word. I'm sure I would not have survived the following weeks without the, the prayers of my family and friends. Once I was moved from the ICU, the doctors wanted to wean me off the intravenous pain meds, but I was not receiving the scheduled oral meds, and I'm not, not putting the blame on anybody, although there was a lot of blame to go around, I think. So the pain would get out of control, and um, I would, then I would have to have intravenous pain meds. Well, they, the doctors wouldn't let me go home as long as I was on the intravenous pain meds, so they're trying to get me on to oral meds. Um, and so, you know, sometimes the, the pain would be so bad, you know, the, the, the uh, medical chart, the one to 10, how is your pain from one to 10? I would always gauge it by natural childbirth. I've, I've did it four times. Natural childbirth was always number 10 for me. And then I would gauge my pain according to that. Well, while I was in the hospital, childbirth became number nine. I never knew it was possible to live through that kind of pain. But um, my, uh, my daughters would make sure that someone, this is, this is why I'm talking about you know, preparing your children. It, I never, never intended for it to have to come back to me that way, but I wanted, you know, I trained them up for themselves and their children. But because I trained them, God did bless me through them. He, they made sure that someone was with me to take care of me and advocate for me, trying to get my meds and everything until they were kicked out at the end of visiting hours. My husband was there as much as his job and caring for his ailing father would, would allow, but, but uh, you know, the girls had to do most of that. Um, besides helping me with my physical needs, they prayed, quoted scriptures, and encouraged me very firmly when necessary. <laughs> yeah, one of my daughters would get in my face wagging her finger at me. <laughs> Those of you that know my daughters probably know who I'm talking about. <laughs> they were my Aaron and her holding me up while my battle was fought. A, f a few times during my stay, the pain in my head and neck would be so horrendous that I would say I was done. I just wanted it to be over. But whoever was there at my bedside would not hear of it. They pushed me. And made me fight. And by the grace of God, I did. After 10 days in the hospital, my pain was finally controlled enough to release me with oral pain meds. <clears throat> I went to stay at the home of my father-in-law where my husband is taking care of him. That way we could be cared for together. My daughter still made sure that someone would be with me around the clock until I was able to get through the night on my own without any assistance. Because... You know, there's just a lot of things that you need to do that um, you know, you have to get up out of bed for and, and whatnot. And uh, 
they were there to help me because I couldn't even get myself out of bed. Um, well, this this was my this was my adornment. That's what I was wearing. That's what I was wearing for, for two months. Like a yeah. <laughs> I had to wear that for two months. I did have a soft collar I could sleep in, but even so, I, I, I just couldn't pick myself up. I would have to have um, somebody hold my head. And, uh, um, you know, my neck was not doing its job. My, well, its job at the, at the time was healing. <laughs> and it was not, it was not, holding my head up very well so um so I just I just praise God for the loving armor-bearing caregivers that that I had after three months of checkups back at the hospital I was released from their care I they said I didn't need to come back anymore if I didn't want to like whoa no, I don't want to. <laughs> that's that's easy. <laughs> um, it was it was quite an ordeal. The military hospital, hard to get in and out. It's just a lot of lot of uh, um, effort to get just to get in, and uh, so so uh, yeah. I, at that at that point, I was fully healed. The, the fusion was complete and everything, and so, so the neck was healed, but I was not yet restored. <clears throat> I, I didn't have my full function back, which I still don't, but it's, it's coming. So while many of the doctors and nurses were positive with me, the, the last one that I saw was not. He had doubts that there would be any more improvement from that point so while he was telling me all these things, my daughter was sitting over on the side with her hand over her mouth, rebuking Satan, <laughs> very quietly but boldly. <laughs> and, and under my breath, I was saying, watch me. God said I was healed and made whole. So I'm doing physical therapy now, and even though the doctor didn't think it would do any good, I mean, he, he didn't think there was anything else I could do that was going to help. So I'm like, well, I'm doing it anyway. So, so he gave me a prescription for it, and um, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, it was my physical therapist that explained to me the, that the electrifying pain I still have in my head and neck is from the injured nerves trying to reconnect. It's a sign of healing. He also explained that the concussion that causes, among other things, a lack of focus and confusion with words. That's why I wrote down what I wanted to say. So I, because sometimes in conversation, I'll get my words tangled up or I can't think of the word. And I know everybody says, well, that happens to me all the time. Well, it's, it, that doesn't happen to me all the time. I mean... Yeah, everybody's forgetful about some things, but this is a new, this was new for me. Um, and he, the, this physical therapist did say that the effects of a concussion could last from six months to a year or maybe for a lifetime. Well, that's not, 
that's not my situation because I'm not, I'm not accepting that. So I'm at four months now and I, I only have a few symptoms remaining. So God is working on me. I'm getting there. <clears throat> this is what I, I realized that God didn't make me a promise that I would be whole just to live, leave me broken. <clears throat> As I do the work required of me and trusting God for full restoration, I'm seeing progression every day. And I, this is number seven. The last, last thing I wanted to, to say that I learned, not that it's not the last thing I learned or will learn, but it's the last thing I'm going to bring up. I'm not a victim, but a victor. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a person who broke her neck. I'm a servant of a benevolent God who lives to glorify him. And I wanted to add another thing that, that I thought of um, uh, coming up here. Um, when I had so many people praying for me, coming against the pain for me, and I was still in so much pain, and I asked God, why, is, why am I still having so much pain with so many people praying for me? And I got to tell you, I was convicted because he said, you're not receiving it. That's what I heard from him. So I reached out my hand and I said, I'll take it. And that's the day I started getting fewer and fewer headaches. And it started being less and less intense. So that's, I, I just felt like that was an important point to make that I, I was convicted of that. I learned from that. I mean, it's something I've known because Sandy has taught it for years. But I know that we can ask all day long, but if we're not ready to receive it, if we don't hold out our hand to take the gift, then it can't land on us. So I just... Uh, I thank y'all for listening to me, and uh, I hope that uh, you're blessed in some way. That's that's my that's my goal is to glorify my God and and bless others. Hey, let's pray for her, Father. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for your servant, and I thank you that as you began a good work in her, you will complete it. We decree complete restoration as if this never happened. We thank you, Lord, that this is not her portion. Pain be gone. Full restoration take place. Brain heal in the name of Jesus. As she confessed, she is not a victim of a traumatic brain injury. She is a victor of wholeness. We speak the shalom of God. And we thank you, Lord, that from this day forth, everything in her life will bring you glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, no more accidents. Amen. Can you help her? You did a great job. It's a great job. So see, the first thing she did is cry out to God. 
And I mean, I was in communication with either her or uh, her daughter, Rachel, the whole time. And uh, there was never any railing on God or how could you or because he didn't. God doesn't cause accidents, people. He doesn't cause sickness and disease. But I'm going to have some answers for you next week that will answer a lot of questions that I think you've had. So be here for our last session. And Kathy, thank you. You did a great job. And, you know, just to remind you, I mean, there's people like uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. I'm sure you all know who she is, who is probably a quadriplegic for the rest of her life without a miracle. And she broke her neck in two places. It was different vertebrae, but she still broke her neck in two places. And that is nothing to wink at. And like she was told, most people don't survive. But the first words out of her mouth guaranteed her vindication. And it would alarm you if I told you the number of people that have been in traumatic situations. And, and they're people that should be grounded enough in the word. And I'll say, well, what promise are you standing on? And then they have to think about it. You shouldn't have to think about it. If you ask me what God has said to me, I can tell you I don't have to think about it. But she had stored it in her heart for many decades. So in a time of difficulty and trial, it just comes out of you. Just, it just comes out of you. Um, I'm going to close with a story I just heard on Saturday. I was watching a healing school. And um, a woman got up to testify that she'd been diagnosed with tongue cancer. And she said, I didn't even know there was such a thing as tongue cancer. And so they had just, you know, said, you need surgery. And she scheduled surgery twice. And they were going to remove part of her tongue. And uh, she canceled both times. And she decided, because this is how the Holy Spirit led her, I am just going to stand on the Word of God. And she was, is the makeup artist for my spiritual father. And he said he had to pry it out of her. She didn't even want to confess the bad report. But she told him one time what the report was, that she was standing on the word. Any of you hear this testimony beside me? No. And Cindy, you did? And uh, he had to pry it out of her. And she told him, and she never mentioned it again, never one time. And she had to stand for one solid year. But that cancer left her body totally divinely healed. And my spiritual father, he said, she never mentioned it again, and neither did I. He said, I prayed for her, but she didn't talk about it. And he said, that's how you do it. And I agree. It's one thing to say the fact, okay, I broke my neck in two places. The prognosis was not great. But the main thing is, I will live and not die. I will give glory to God. I will come boldly to the throne of grace. God help me is the same as have mercy on me. So store the word in your heart and watch your confession. I can go through a huge list of people that talk more about the disease and the disorder than they did about what God says. What you magnify, you will glorify. What you magnify is what will rule. That's why David said in one of the darkest times of his life where he was hiding for his life 
and a dark cave that he made into a cathedral in Psalm 34. And he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name in one of his darkest moments. That's how you do it. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.